I'm Sherry Dunleavy, your inspirationista, host, and a grieving mom. Welcome to the Grief Anonymous podcast. Grief is a journey, and I'm 20 years into mine. No matter where you are in yours, I hope you'll join me as I provide you with information, tools, and experts to help guide you through the darkness of death into the light of living. Help is on the way. Whether we realize it or not, during this COVID pandemic, a lot of us are experiencing feelings of grief, and it might not be attached to anyone that we've lost, anyone that has died. But that's one of the things I want people to realize is that you can grieve normalcy, your normal life. You can grieve a divorce. You can grieve so many other things than a death. And I think collectively, a lot of us are grieving right now. Here we are in the month of July, and this madness started at the beginning of the year with many states locking down in in March. And so how are we dealing with this? How are we getting through? when we don't even realize what's going on inside of us. So that's why I'm so excited to be talking with Vicki Griffith today. Vicki is a coach and she has done some amazing work to help people through this time. And she's going to be with us today to offer us a few more tools that we can put in our toolbox so that we can heal a little bit better. Vicki, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks you. Thank you for the invitation. I really appreciate it. So this, I noticed it's been going on with me. I noticed that you know, I think I was handling things okay. I think I was keeping people upbeat and I was reaching out and I was helping people. And lo and behold, sometimes when you don't deal with things the way that is that you should be dealing with them, it will show up in your body in another way. That's what it's doing for me right now. So I'm dealing with a lot of neck and shoulder pain and a lot of anxiety. I have currently five family members with the, with the COVID virus. So there's a lot of stuff going on inside of me. And if it's going on inside of me, I know it's going on inside of a lot of other people. And I'm thinking even a lot of other people like you who are trying to help people through these tough times. Oh, you're right on target. And, and I have to admit, too, I have a confession here today. I, too, have been experiencing some of what you're expressing, anxiety, sadness. Um, and, and it's funny because as practitioners and as healers, we're, we're so focused on everyone else. And then all of a sudden, wham, we kind of recognize, oh, my gosh, this is happening to me, too. And a lot of other coaches, many of my friends and peers are saying the same thing that, so it's not just you, it's everyone. Everyone is experiencing some type of, and you and I spoke about this, some type of grief. And we're not recognizing it because it's just so totally different and out of our scope of normal (laughs) uh, everyday life. Right, that is, you know, normal. There's nothing that looks normal right now and nothing that we keep thinking that it's going to return, but it's not. Mm-mm. And I think that just even that brings up anxiety. Absolutely. And this whole idea of new normal. And when we think we figured that out, all of a sudden there's another new normal. And so we're readjusting, we're 
changing a lot of things about ourselves and our behaviors that are uncomfortable because we've never done it in the past. Mm -hmm. As simple as wearing a mask and remembering to have your mask with you. I mean, it's, it's one of those things now I have to consciously check to make sure it's in my purse before I leave the house. Would have never even thought of that in a million years that that'd be something I'd have to do. And it's not subconscious, subconscious enough yet that I just automatically do it out of habit. So I have to consciously think. So there's more effort, right? even in our everyday lives than ever before. Right, because you don't just walk out the door like you used to before. Yeah. You know, where the biggest, the biggest maybe kerfluffle that you would have is you can't find your keys. Now you can't find your mask. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I keep spares now around because I don't want to be without one. I don't want anyone else to feel unsafe. So, so we are dealing with all of this. And, and if, if there are people like you and I, who people deem as the experts are going through this, um, how do people who maybe don't have all the tools in the toolbox better deal with it? I want them to still have hope. I, I, I guess what I'm saying is it happens to all of us. We have tools that we can share that can help us. We just have to remember to use them at times too. <laughs> Well, it's absolutely true. And I think first of anything, it's recognizing what's going on. So acknowledge what's going on. So a client just told me that she was feeling a lot of separation, anxiety, not being able to go spend vacation with her friend that they do every year. And so how much she's missing her, even though they are in contact, it's not like they're mm -hmm. strange from each other. You know, so we are feeling grief in many different ways that we never experienced before. And yes, there are many, many, many tools out there. And they all work, but they don't all work for everyone. You have to find the specific tools for you. But I came across, it's a combination of things. So it's kind of something I made up that I've been sharing with my clients that has created an ability to be in a place of suspension. Okay. So that what happens is we get in these, these fear modes and separation, anxiety, grief is all, all around that where we go into fight or flight. We've all heard that term before. Mm -hmm. And really what's happening is literally the, the blood is brushing out of your brain. And so it's going to your arms and legs. You can't think clearly. So this helps people to calm down, physically calm down, mentally calm down, emotionally calm down, and help them get into a space where they can think more clearly. So how this all came about is I was in a taxi cab in New York City and a client called me and I could not thank goodness for caller ID. I didn't know who it was because I couldn't recognize her voice. She was so hysterical. Oh my. And I normally do a lot of other techniques. One of my go-tos is, is tapping or EFT or emotional freedom technique. It's kind of all the same thing, but I couldn't even get to that step because she was so hysterical. And this, I guess it just kind of came to me a combination of a couple of things and it calmed her down within couple minutes and then we could move forward. So I would love to share that with you because I believe that we can instantaneously, if we know the tools, help things for ourselves and then therefore help others. Yeah. So put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you help others. Exactly. So could you share that technique with us, please? Absolutely. So it involves putting one of your hands, it doesn't matter, I'm right hand dominant, I tend to put my right hand over your chest, like over the collarbone here. Mm -hmm. So you go ahead and put your hand on your chest, 
-hmm. And then you take a deep breath in mm -hmm. through your nose. And as you release your breath through your mouth, say, I am safe. I am safe. And I love that you said that out loud. So again, another deep breath in. And as you release out loud, I am safe. I am safe. And one more time. Releasing, I am safe. I am safe. And then reevaluate where you're at. You might feel a bit calmer. You might find some of the tension has released in your shoulders. You may find, find that you're a little lightheaded, so take a moment to try to breathe normally without questioning it, without judging it, without criticizing it. You know, we want to understand why this is happening. Just let that go, suspend that for a little bit and allow yourself to sink into the possibility, even if it's just a possibility, the willingness of the possibility that you are safe. At this moment, you are safe, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it's returning to the breath, always returning to the breath. Breath is so crucial in all of it. I know. Not, I felt all those things that you said. I felt, I felt a release in tension in my body. Mm -hmm. I felt a calmness. I didn't, and I did feel, I didn't feel the fogginess. Actually, I felt the fog okay. lift a little. Good. Awesome. That goes to show there's no right or wrong way to do this. And as a recovering perfectionist who is always worried about doing it right, you don't have to do it right. You don't have to have any way that this happens for you. And if you still feel tense, it doesn't mean it didn't work. It just means you may need to do it a couple more times. How I recommend is that you do, you notice there were three rounds of breath in and out, and then you do it three times with a pause in the middle. So it would be, you know, I am safe, doing that three times, pause, breathe normally, and then begin again. And mm -hmm. you do that three times total. So it's three rounds of three. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. Okay. That sounds like such a wonderful tool. So thank you very much for sharing that with us. Um, I want to get a little more personal with you in your journey to learning all of this and, and this being part of your becoming. So tell me your story a little bit about you. Certainly. Thanks for asking. So my story is I've always been fat. I was the chubby little infant that everybody thought was ad adorable, turned into the chubby little toddler, which was still okay. But when I became a young girl, that wasn't so okay anymore. Mm -hmm. I didn't really understand that there was something different with me as far as putting it all together till about the age of 10. And that's when I realized as a 10 year old that because I was fat, that caused all of our family's problems, that caused all of my problems. It was always my weight that was the issue. And at 10 years old, my mom actually took me to the doctor and he put me on speed, which was the appetite suppressant at the time I know. I don't remember it lasting long because as a wallflower reserved child, I'm you know, later Myers-Briggs introverted, high, finding out again later, highly sensitive. I was pretty quiet in class as you can only imagine. 
and um, I think I turned into something other than who I was, so I'm, I'm pretty sure that stopped pretty quickly. However, the feeling that I was doing something wrong, that I was wrong because I was fat, stayed with me. And then I decided in my early, I was actually in my 30s, so it was a while dealing with the struggling on and off diets, losing weight, gaining weight, and then the self-development around that and what's really causing this ha to happen. And again, there's, there's grief around letting, losing weight, right? Losing is griefful regardless of what it is. So losing weight is griefful. So what was that to me? How come I felt that grief when I was thinner and I kept kind of wanting to find it back? So I went through a whole lot of self-development throughout my teenage years and my young adult years and I, I decided that the three things had to happen. One, I had to stop dieting. Two, I had to stop judging myself and criticizing myself. And three, I needed to reprogram my subconscious mind because my subconscious mind had created the belief systems there was something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. But in reality, if you have any spiritual beliefs at all, you know that you are perfect as you are. You are created by the creator. You are an image of. And so therefore I had to shift all of those type of things. So I stopped dieting. I ate fast food every day to nurture myself in a bizarre way. So I cut my portions and you need to hear that if you're, if you're releasing some weight and notice I said releasing, so you don't find it back. Yeah. You're releasing weight. You want to be in a place where you're cutting your portions down. I ate everything I wanted. I still ate fast food, but I cut my portions down. So instead of a value meal, I got the kid's meal or a smaller portion. Mm -hmm. So I could still have that taste and satisfaction, mm -hmm. but yet I could um, start releasing weight because I was just cutting my calories, obviously. Uh, the mental diet was all about saying no to the judgment and criticism. And so I started the mental diet and then I actually created a recording for myself to help change myself, my subconscious mind. And so those three things happened. In the meantime, I changed careers. You changed so while, careers. So while that was going on, I was the um, general merchandise manager and buyer for an emblematic bookstore for a major big time, Big Ten University, built it to a million dollars and I maintained yearly sales of a million dollars, which was a huge lot of money back in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And so I had this business brain. I'm very left-brained, but have been playing with hypnosis since I was 16. And I had an experience where my father passed away and he left me about you know an inch worth of money. It gave me about three months worth of pay and I quit my job. Unbeknownst to my husband, I came home and said, I quit my job today. <laughs> And he's like, what? I'm like, well, I got three months worth of money. I'm going to figure this out and started going back to a hypnotist and um, for weight loss, although that wasn't, she didn't know my father had just passed. She didn't know really that that's what I was, my goal was. And I started grieving in a very healthy way and I started releasing the weight. And during our sessions together at one point, she said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, you know, I think I want to do what you're doing. And she said, that's fabulous. And this is how the universe, God, whatever your spiritual name is for that, is so amazing to me and, and creates this awe feeling is uh, that path was unbeknownst to me, but yet I was put on that path to find the hypnotist, which there were plenty in town, 
that was a trainer that could train me and certify me to become a hypnotist and ended up working for her for three years. As I'm doing that other program, I became the weight loss executive for her, her, her clinic um, and doing exactly what I had done for myself, mental diet, cutting back portions and reprogramming subconscious mind. So that's how it started. And then I found EFT in a whole different other way. <laughs> wow, really? Yeah. Yeah. EFT came to me because as hypnotists, we actually have yearly conventions. Now they're doing them virtually like everyone else does. And I got the pamphlet in the mail after the convention because I couldn't attend. And I saw this, this heading that said weight loss treatments because they record all the sessions and you can buy them later. Like I'm in for new hypnosis you know, sessions treatment. So I got it. Came on a cassette. It tells you how long ago this was. Yeah. <laughs> there are a few of them that are people that are watching this that know what that is. There may be a few that doesn't. Google it. <laughs> it's really easy to find out. I um, took the cassette, put it in my Walkman. Again, Google that if you don't know what that is, but it's a little player with fed in. And I started listening to it. I'm like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. And that's my left brain, right? If I can't figure it out, if there's no explanation for it, I don't care. I don't care to know it. So I put it away. Until that day, I had such a, a drive, a craving for a chocolate chip cookie that I knew was in my food pantry. And I was, I don't know if this has ever happened to anyone listening to this, but I was standing with the food pantry open, not necessarily grasping for the cookie yet, but because I, I was trying to derail the craving. I was trying right. to avoid it. I was trying to get rid of it. And so I grabbed that Walkman. I listened to this cassette and it was all emotional freedom techniques or tapping. And I did it because I was so desperate at the time to find something that would help me avoid eating that cookie. Mm -hmm. 30 minutes later, I was at my neighborhood walking and I stopped in my tracks. Because at that very moment, one, I hadn't planned to walk. It wasn't something I had to do or should do. It wasn't on a schedule, but I was doing it out of joy. And in that very moment, I realized for 30 minutes, I hadn't thought about that cookie, which was amazing because that had never happened. Even if I avoided it or distracted myself, I kept thinking about it. So that sense of emotional freedom mm -hmm. which is what the, the technique was originally named, emotional freedom technique, was so amazing. And the thing also that happened is that once I thought of the cookie, the desire was gone, which never happened before either. And so I went back and I learned everything I could to be as advanced as I could in the technique. And as one of my, along with hypnosis, is one of my go-to techniques to help people with a lot of their issues, cravings, most of them resulting in the emotions that are resulting in overeating, emotional eating, stress eating. And right now, people who've never been any of those things are becoming those things. And so that's who I work with right now to help them move past that so they can release the, gain, the weight that they've gained. Right. Um, I've noticed that, that there's a, it seems that a lot of people are eating their emotions right now because mm -hmm. there's really not a lot of, 
things that you can be doing. You're stuck in your house. So people are baking and eating their emotions and people, you know, are splurging and people are making cocktails and, you know, I mean, like, it's just, you're trying to make your own fun from home and it seems like it all revolves around something at the table. <laughs> something <laughs> just. Well, that's true. And that's going to be the way it is after this is over and it was before this is over food's always been a celebration of life cocktails have always been involved with celebrations for the most part for most of us so that's always going to be a truth the the difference is knowing when to stop and being able to stop yourself without deprivation and without willpower and that's what I help my clients do is to do all of that without deprivation or willpower. I've been that white knuckle approach where you're holding on the steering wheel so tightly that you know, all your knuckles are turning white on it diets before. And it's not fun because it takes up all of your energy. It takes all of your thought capacity. Mm -hmm. So that's all you're thinking about is I can't have that. I can't have that. I can't have that. And the success is you see a few pounds lost maybe on the scale. So yeah, you're absolutely right. More and more people are turning to some of these destructive behaviors. And as we've talked about at the beginning, it's starting to show up in our bodies. Right, right. So I think that that's amazing that there is something that can help, a technique that can help and you can help them mm -hmm. with that. That's wonderful because I think that, you know, we're eating our way through our, our feelings a lot of times through this, this COVID, but I imagine that if you're grieving someone that you love, um, that you've lost to death, a lot of times you see people overindulge and overeat there as well. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And you're right on target. It's about eating our emotions. We're trying to swallow our emotions so we won't feel them or avoiding them. Uh, we don't feel that we're perhaps willing not willing we're not able to we don't have the permission to feel we don't give ourselves permission to feel we don't want to show others that we're feeling badly and it's like you and i talked about this confession to our communities that we're feeling this too we're not exempt from this and it's okay whatever your feeling is it's okay it's not right or wrong it's your feeling so it's okay to have it it's okay to have it. It's just not okay to live there. Exactly. And it may not be okay to act on it. So that's whatever the action is that comes up from the feeling, that's where the moment is. Is that a good place for me? And is this going to serve others well? Because sometimes our actions and reactions are very negative towards other people because we're trying to deal with our own emotions. And so that's where the, the, the break is, is to be able to say, live there. If it's really okay to live there if you want to, it's really not our decision for you. However, we know that it's not always healthy to live there for too long. And how are you reacting and acting out that emotion that may not be helping others or hurting others and yourself? I think we're seeing that collectively as well. I mean, you just surf social media right now, you just watch the news and you see how I think that you know, that loving kindness and compassion that we should be having for other people is coming out against other people because we're not showing that loving kindness and compassion to ourselves first. I agree. Absolutely. So we have to start with us first. Absolutely. And I, that's why I recommend the mental diet for absolutely anyone 
even those that aren't having a weight problem, because being kind to yourself first by stopping the criticism and stopping the judgment, you are probably the worst person for yourself because most people don't think that way about you. So just say, say no, there's another tip and trick for you. Say no to it in your mind. Sometimes I had to scream it out loud, no. And then make a declaration. I am not going in that path anymore. And it's gonna do several things. One, you basically are reprogramming your mind and you're rewiring your brain, which is really excited because when we rewire our brain, it becomes permanent. The new actions and reactions become permanent. I like it because it's a melding of faith and science. Right. Exactly. Right. And that is when, when those two are together, that's very strong. I agree. Very strong. Absolutely. Vicki, this has been a wonderful conversation. I know that you can help so many people uh, who are struggling uh, right now, no matter whether it is through their grief, through death and, and loss like that, or through it's uh, through a grief, through their losing their normal life. Um, dealing with the emotions attached to their overeating or overconsumption, so many ways that you can help people. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? I would recommend that you download the video series called crushcravings.com. So that's going to show you emotional freedom technique, the tapping for cravings. So start there. And in that series, you'll actually be able to get the recording I was chatting about earlier that I created for myself on my journey and that you can get that for free as well. So that's one place to start. You can also reach me at Vicki Griffith at break through.org, which is really long and crazy, but I'm sure we can have it somewhere in writing for everyone. We will. We'll put a link in, in the show notes for everyone. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. I know that what you've shared is going to help a lot of people moving forward through this pandemic and through life. So thank you again, Vicki. My pleasure. I'm Sherry Dunleavy, and you've been listening to the Grief Anonymous podcast. For more information on today's guest, the Grief Anonymous program, or the Grief Resource Network, go to griefanonymous.com or griefresourcenetwork.com. For more information on my book, workshops, or talks, go to sherrydunleavy.com. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thanks for listening.